I woke up this morning and, like many people, reached for my phone to check the time, to check if I had any emails and messages, notifications. I've become so accustomed to this ritual and behavior that I don't, I don't stop to think if my, you know, my Wi-Fi is working or if my broadband is working. I assume and take for granted that everything is working. I don't even think about the applications I use, the access they have to my data, actually. No, hang on. I do worry about that. So that's not entirely true. I do worry about my data and who, who has access to it, how it's being used. So I do check data access for most of the apps I download. But again, you know, there is an underlying assumption that somehow my data is protected. I use my phone and laptop for work to respond to emails, to take and make calls, including Zoom. I've downloaded antivirus protection just to enable that extra bit of protection from phishing, viruses, ransomware, and so on. And I'm able to work from home and stay connected with colleagues in real time if need be. Last October, I found out how awful it was to have my broadband cut off to my home. I didn't have Wi-Fi at home for a good few weeks. I had to get I had to use my data on my phone to get online and send important emails. I had to find a workaround while my broadband provider tried to fix the issue. I probably had more coffees out in cafes during that time since the pandemic. Now all of these things are forms of privilege, access to broadband, knowing I can go and work in a coffee shop that has Wi-Fi if needed, and knowledge of how to protect my data. Does everyone have equal access to the same privileges when thinking about the digital space? In this episode, Sheetal Kumar, Head of Global Engagement and Advocacy at Global Partners Digital, shares a little of what she does to contribute to helping balance the scales of socioeconomic justice at a macro level. She works tirelessly influencing advocating across policy issues such as trust and security, online content, and emerging tech, with the aim of shaping digital policymaking processes so that they are more open, inclusive, and transparent, and lead to policy outcomes that are human rights respecting. This is the big picture stuff, the stuff that informs and trickles down, allowing our privileges at the level of society, and allows us to have our privileges. Stay till the end of the episode. Ishreen provides a few questions to help this thinking, taking this thinking into the workplace. If you are a regular or new listener, please do think about subscribing to our podcast so you can be notified of future episode releases. And of course, it helps with our ranking and rankings help us with increasing visibility for our messages. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you next week. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realise a culture of inclusion for all. Hi there, my name is Sheetal Kumar and I 
said to Kami and Ishreen that I would tell you a bit about my job. So I work as Head of Global Engagement and Advocacy at Global Partners Digital, which is a human rights organization. And ever since we were founded more than a decade ago, we focused on digital technologies, which are more and more impacting our, our everyday lives in both obvious and in visible ways, whether that's through our phones and the use of all of the applications on our phones, the social media, um, tracking devices, our digital assistants, and a whole host of other ways the digital tech is deployed in a way that, that fundamentally shapes our lives. And what we focused on is the governance of, of digital technologies, which includes the policies, the frameworks, the regulations, the standards that shape um, digital tech, and which articulate, in essence, the obligations and the commitments of, of governance of, and of companies. Um, in, in relation to digital tech and fundamentally they, these policies shape how we use, interact with and, and benefit from digital tech. As I've said, they're integral. It's, digital tech is integral to our lives and, and also an enabler of our human rights, whether it's our right to express ourselves freely, to assemble freely, to access healthcare or employment but they can also impact those rights in, in negative ways, particularly if you're already um, discriminated against or marginalized in society. And everyone, whether it's civil society, companies, uh, governments have a role to play in ensuring that dig digital tech works for us and that <laughs> it allows us to enable our rights and not against us. Of course, as we know, there are lots of problems that we face as a society. Um, that result from the, the deployment of digital tech, whether it's um, cyber uh, conflict, crime, um, online harms, disinformation, the application of artificial intelligence in a way that perpetuates discrimination and bias against, against people in society. These are issues that we need to deal with and we need policies and we need regulation as well. But, we also need to ensure that those policies are developed in an inclusive way that includes those who are affected by them, at least that's what we believe. So we work to influence policies, um, frameworks, standards and regulations so that they are rights respecting and inclusive by design. And we work with all stakeholders who, um, who share with us in those aims. That means advocacy work, directly engaging with with policymakers, for example, building and strengthening um, networks of NGOs and capacity building as well to shape understanding of how human rights impacts is impacted rather by uh, digital tech and digital tech policy, whether it's cybersecurity strategies or data protection frameworks or online safety legislation or, or artificial intelligence treaties. And I lead our work in multilateral forums, including the UN, uh, where we are seeing more frameworks and even treaties being negotiated that implicate digital tech. Like, for example, there's a UN treaty on cybercrime currently being negotiated. Human rights are at stake in those discussions, and we have an opportunity to keep shaping norms that govern digital tech in a way that 
serve sustainable development and human rights. So I want to give my heartfelt thanks to Anil and Shital and Tammy for sharing with us what our digital privileges, what our health privileges, and what our socioeconomic privileges. Now, they shared them at a kind of a macro level, right? So Shital works with the UN, and she works on governance and policies, and she does touch the S in ESG. But what does that really mean for us? What can we do in the workplace that's going to make a difference tomorrow? So I, what I'd like to do now is just share with you some questions that you can reflect on to really think about what does this all mean? How does this relate to me? Okay, so the first point is that there are structures and processes that make access to connectivity difficult. And if we work in an office where the internet is really great, or if we're fortunate enough to be in a place with good bandwidth, then we don't even think about that, right? Doesn't even cross our minds. But how about the home worker who's in a place with poor infrastructure and she's trying her best or he's trying his best or they're trying their best to join these calls. They want to be on time. They want to make a good impression, but the internet keeps dropping. Right? What is your organization doing about that? What about people who are either at work or at home who may not have great vision or great hearing, or they might be neurodiverse? What reasonable adjustments are you making, is your organization making, to give them the same levels of privilege as the norm, right? What's happening out there? What are you doing? What implications, or sorry, what are the implications from assumptions of constant availability? You know, we've all got this, we've all got these now, right? We've all got these things. They've got email every second of the day. People can reach us. The WhatsApp keeps pinging and the Facebook keeps going. And, you know, what, what are we doing to help people with their mental health? What are we doing to be mindful? You know, the, the, the thing is, and, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone else, okay? So a thought will come to my mind at midnight, and I'm like, oh, my God, if I don't do something about this now, I'm going to forget, so I'd better just send it. Right, Cammy, you've had those, right? Shadi, you've had them, right? And, it's, uh, and I'm having to really manage myself, right? Because it's, it's not fair, it's not fair to expect, and, and it doesn't matter that you don't expect them to respond. It doesn't matter because they are like, oh my God, Ishreen wants me to respond, right? So it's like, what can you do about that? How can you identify digital privilege in your organization and in your supply chain? So what about those small businesses like ours that don't have access to Ariba or can't afford the Ariba subscriptions, or, you know? What about those organizations in your supply chain? What are you doing or what's your organization doing to enable them to have a level playing field, a level opportunity 
of doing work for your organization because I can bet you they will give you much more commitment. They will be much more creative than many of the large organizations. Vicky used to work for IBM, right? Nobody got fired for buying from IBM. <laughs> but who loves an IBM computer? <laughs> it's Lenovo now, isn't it? Lenovo. Um, so there's, a, and, and then the final question I have here is, what can you do to bring your colleagues with you? You're all here, so I know you're all committed to this, right? But there are people out there who don't understand the privilege walk, who don't understand the commitment to putting the S into SG. They're even resisting getting to net zero, which is what ESG seems to be all about nowadays. Right. So what can you do? How, what training do they need? How can you um, maybe not set targets, but how can you motivate them? What's going to motivate them to to take part in reducing the disparity of privilege that enables people with underprivilege who are at the back of the room in the privilege walk to come to the starting point? We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege, and purpose at work for you and for your organization. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts. And don't forget to send in your questions. And you can send those to our email, equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege, and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cami said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.